the Paid to Play podcast. Twerken Gherkin, pro cosplayer. By PC Pod or Pad, you are listening to Paid to Play. I am Rob Farkey, your host for this exploration of the dangerous idea that bringing your whole self, especially the bits of you that you worry make you seem silly, geeky or odd, into your income-generating life is one of the best things you can do. It might not be easy, but it's easier than we think and even fear. And with the help of my guest for this episode, I would like to show you how. If you remember episode 69, when I chatted with Shana of Ever After Parties, the lady who turned cosplay into a paying business by doing children's parties as princesses from major uh, animated movies, uh, you will have heard her mention this lady quite a few times in glowing terms. Twerking Gherkin is perhaps a relative newcomer to the local cosplay scene, but her name has been getting about like wildfire. She's become a mainstay of the regional cosplay scene. She makes an effort to attend every major urban, pardon me, capital city convention in Australia. And not only that, she is one of the founding members of Shana's business ever after parties and was pretty much her first employer, employer, pardon me, her first employee. As well as bringing a smile to children's faces, Twerken also makes a little bit of money from her cosplay by doing print sales, and she has also become an invited guest of several local conventions. It is an absolute pleasure to have her on the show, and getting her on finally completes my collection of the Tropicon trilogy of cosplayers. Thank you very much, Twerken, for coming on the Pay to Play podcast. No problem, Rob. (laughs) So... Imagine for a second that at the end of this show, I award you with a magic ticket, which grants you some time to go and do something that you've been looking forward to getting back into doing, and an unlimited amount of time to do it in. What would be on your shortlist? Uh, I'd probably just make some more costumes, to be honest. <laughs> Time's a bit of a... A strain when it comes to coming to conventions, and mm-hmm. they all just seem to be all together. So, getting the actual time to get your outfits together is always something that I stress about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, it's insane. <laughs> uh, anything that you're working on right at the moment? Uh, currently, as we are speaking, I'm making cat ears. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are they for anything in uh, any particular character specifically, or? Well, they're not actually for me, Rob. Ah. <laughs> I'm doing some commissions for um, it's a clubbing event called Nico Nation, and that's on tomorrow. Where well, when this comes out, it'll be on last week or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, it's a dressing up clubbing event that I. Uh, this is the second time I'm going, and. Uh, yeah, I decided to make a few things for people. Okay. And uh, if I uh, understand it right, uh, uh, Nico Nation, from the sounds of it, is kind of a, a cat girl cosplay party? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, in case you're wondering, folks, uh, uh, cat girls are kind of a mainstay of uh, anime or uh, Japanese cartoons. Um, Svelte lasses usually with uh, cat ears as well as their regular ears and tails. Um, so I can only imagine what a scene uh, tomorrow night is going to be at Nico Nation. Um, yeah. And I will have to make a note of that as well, cosplay commissions. Uh, so tell me, uh, when did you first discover uh, the joy of cosplay twerking? Oh, well, I've been doing cosplay for about, oh, it's 2016 now, six years. Ah, so, <laughs> so that, um, that bit oops. about the relative newcomer I mentioned, not re- not so much actually. Well, yeah, I've only started getting, um, well, not really noticed, just started getting okay at it. (laughs) But I, um, I really first started noticing cosplay when I was, oh, geez, really young. I, um, I'd always loved Hamtaro and Sailor Moon and all that jazz growing up. And, um, when I was in about seventh grade, I guess, I started watching these, um, like cosplay videos on YouTube and stuff and, 
what really, really pushed me into cosplay was one group called Parley Productions, and um, they do Kingdom Hearts, uh, um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts videos, and I at the time loved Kingdom Hearts, so I was like, whoa, they're dressed as Demix and Axel, holy heck, what the heck, um, and yeah, I was just like, if they can do this, I could totally do this, and <laughs> yeah, I pretty much just went from there. Fantastic. Um, sad to say, I never got to play the Kingdom Hearts games because, unfortunately, oh. I was uh, I was PlayStation denied at around uh. about that age. Um, but I really, I, I'm really bummed about missing out on Kingdom Hearts too because, from what I understand, Tron had a guest appearance in that one. So good. Uh. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> so. Um, you discovered uh, the YouTube videos of uh, Parley Productions. So, did, how did yes. that? How did that kind of um, inspire you? When was? How long was it before you first started? You know, making your own costume after that. Well, I did a lot of. Uh, we call it closet cosplays. So pretty much, you just have it in your closet, and you're like, "Whoa, that kind of looks like a character," and you wear it, and you're like, "Hey, uh, look at me!" <laughs> and um, I did that pretty much straight away after I discovered it. But um, my mum actually made a lot of my first outfits. Uh. And when I say a lot, I mean all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, thanks, mum. Aren't we lucky when we actually have um, a parental relative who uh, indulges us in our loves that much? Oh, gosh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So... um, so what were those early days like? I mean, from the sounds of it, was it just um, uh, hanging out with uh, friends or going to parties? Because I know, I think, uh, the, uh, at the very least, Supernova has been going for at least a decade. I'm sure it was going uh, a little bit before I left Sydney back in um, 2005. But uh, uh, were you starting to, you know, attend conventions in costume? Or was it just something that you did with your friends in those days? Well, <laughs> I actually did all of those. <laughs> I went to conventions, I went to cosplay meetups, which is basically just a little convention, like just hanging out with your friends in public, dressed in out costumes, and um, yeah, just all that jazz. Mm. And um, yeah, Supernova was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, blew my mind. Uh, uh, just meeting so many other people who shared your passion, or? Seeing the, just how amazingly constructed these people were, like, wearing these costumes, and I was like, whoa, how did they do that? Yeah. It just, I felt so tiny and (laughs) weird. I was like, oh, geez, I'm not even wearing a wig. (laughs) (laughs) And this chick's got, like, a whole giant pole on her head. I don't know what's going on. Where am I? (laughs) Yeah. God, you'd, um, you would almost think it would be uh, the other way around. I mean, uh, I know people who sort of look at the work that uh, folks like Yaya Han and what have you crank out <laughs> on a regular basis and sort of go, uh, you know, that that's really weird. That person must have so much free time on their hands. You know, you've probably <laughs> heard it a few times. But, I mean, to actually, you know, have it the other way around where, um, you know, uh, you feel you feel weird when, on the other hand, it would seem like you know you're not being quite weird enough. You know, basically, yeah, it was yeah. it was crazy. <laughs> so, uh, um, from the sounds of it, they kind of uh, they um, they inspired you to up your game a little bit. You were oh, definitely. Yeah, you weren't immediately put off and thought, right, that's it, I'm giving this up and going home. And <laughs> no, actually, they were all um. Everyone was just so friendly, and the cosplay community has actually changed quite a lot since I first started. I've noticed this, but um, everyone was just so willing to share their tips and little ways to make yourself better that it was just, if I had joined the scene today, whereas six years ago, I would not have been where I am right now. Yeah. So I'd like to like thank the community that I grew up with that, yeah, they have really, they pushed it. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, when was the first time you perhaps uh, realised that there was the potential for people to actually pay you to do, <laughs> to, you know, indulge in this hobby? Well, I really got noticed in 2013 uh, when I did my TARDIS dress and... What I'd actually done was just bought a really cool dress online 
and then found this amazing website called Spoonflower where you can get custom fabrics. And so um, I got those two things, put it together, made a TARDIS dress, did not realise how popular Doctor Who was. <laughs> and um, from that, I'd gone to Supernova and then we actually started counting how many steps I could take without someone actually stopping us for a picture. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what's happening right now, but hello. <laughs> and um, so after Supernova, I made a cosplay page twerk and gherkin and was because i got so many friend requests after that and i was like i can't (laughs) that's not safe online don't Mm. add people you don't know yeah so um yeah i I did it my page and just so many people appreciated my work from there and i was just like what it was baffling Mm. yeah (laughs) did you uh did you find yourself in that uh opposite position uh, from where you were a few years before, where, you know, you had people coming to you and yeah. asking you how you did it. and I did. I was just like, I have no idea. I would, I, I was, probably. <laughs> something, I've done something, and you obviously like it. I don't know how to help you. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, uh, what was, I guess the first cosplay gig you had. Was it ever after parties or uh, a similar um, princess-themed entertainment business kind of thing? It was, yeah. The uh, the gig-related stuff is more recent within the last uh, two, three years. Mm. And um, that was actually with Shana, <laughs> the first place we were at. And um, I don't like name-dropping them because they were horrible. <laughs> Uh, well, then, but, uh, please yeah. don't feel any pressure to. That's no worries. Oh, they're no longer around. I'm no ah, longer okay. worried. <laughs> well. <laughs> but um, they were a, a character business, a lot like Shana's Beautiful Ever After Parties. And um, what people don't tend to realize is when you're going to have a child's party business is it's not just getting a costume, getting a wig, throwing it on a person, and sending them out. Mm. It is having the money and the time to get a good quality costume, a good quality wig. You need to source good actors and actresses. You Mm. need to face cast so these people actually look like the characters, that they can become the character and essentially just make this child's childhood magical. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not what this company did. (laughs) They did not worry about makeup. They got $50 costumes, which... Some of you might be like, oh, whoa, $50. For a princess, $50 is not a decent quality costume. <laughs> no, no. So, um, yeah, we went there. I did about three or four parties there. And then Shana broke off with her own company. And I was like, I am coming with you. Please take me there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's, that's how it got started with the um, earning side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh yeah, from the sounds of it, it was uh, those first uh, few months to year were uh, were definitely an uphill learning experience. So, um, oh, definitely. So, what was it like? I guess uh, going from what sounds like, at least if nothing else, uh, <laughs> it, say if you can say nothing else about it, it was, I suppose, an established business to actually um, branching out with Shana and. Uh, creating something or at least being there while something new was created uh from scratch and uh you know shana was uh i would say from the sounds of things uh learning a lot as she went what was um what was that experience like well the place before shana's was they were two grown women who had full-time jobs and they were like yeah this is just a side business we don't really care about Ah. and then going from that to seeing a girl who is highly dedicated to something that she's creating shana was actually in high school when she made her business Mm. and um just seeing someone so passionate about that that she wanted to put the time and effort into her outfits and her company that it was it was amazing. Um, everyone starts out somewhere. So I had my Snow White costume. Uh, Shana had... Gosh, she got Elsa and Anna first because those are obviously the most popular princesses at the moment. Mm. <laughs> but um, she's constantly updating the quality of her outfits and just 
she didn't actually start at a low point, I guess, because the lowest we were was the place before that, and mm. seeing how everything they've done wrong, she didn't really have to learn that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, you have to be passionate about something to make it work, and that's a lot of the times with costumes itself, just love the character you're doing. Mm, mm. So, uh... Ever After took off. Yes. Uh, it is still going as a business. I know that they um, uh, did a whopping great Christmas party at the end of last year. Which they did. Like it was one heck of an awesome thing. So, um, uh, so yes, how is that going for you at the moment? Oh, it's going really well, actually. We have an event tomorrow. Um, mm. There's a little boy who's... This is his second birthday that we're attending. Uh, his name's Kalen, and... He has an event for his birthdays. I can't remember the exact details, but um, he's a very special little boy. And yes, we're going to his birthday tomorrow. Um, I'll be attending as Ariel, actually. <laughs> and it's just going to be such a fun day. Hmm. And yeah, going strong. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so you've got this as well as Nico Nation tomorrow. I do, even the yeah. sounds of it. Going oh. straight from the birthday, home to get ready, then to the club. <laughs> <laughs> now, Shana did mention one thing during uh, our chat at the end of last year uh, about uh, you and your approach to Ever After. She mentioned that uh, you actually prefer to do uh, the charity meeting groups do. rather than... Can you tell me um, a little bit more about what makes those <laughs> different from... Um, the regular uh, kids' parties and events that you attend, and what is it that makes them for you more, you know, uh, more something that you'd prefer to do? Okay. So, <laughs> this is going to sound very weird. Well, not weird, but just it's not going to sound right. <laughs> um, the difference between children's actual booked paid getting parties and the charity events are these parents that are booking the parties are very wealthy people. Mm. <laughs> they um Shana's princess parties aren't cheap, but you pay for what you get and she has the utmost quality. So these children have the world already and they're just like, oh look a princess is here, yeah that's cool, whatever. Mm. Um they do appreciate it. I'm not saying that they don't, but it's just they can obviously have this luxury often. Yeah. Um, charity event. Oh, and um, there's also the pressure to perform to your utmost 100% because, you know, these people have forked out a lot of money for your yeah. performance. Whereas the charity events, there are children who don't get to see princesses every day. Um, you're doing it for a good cause. And, of course, you perform to your 100%, but it's just it makes you feel good that you can raise either whether it be money, awareness, just for all these amazing causes that you can help people. And the fact that princesses are doing it, you would want to donate to a good cause and a princess. (laughs) It's just, to Mm. me, it makes you just feel really good about yourself and knowing that you can help these people. Yeah. It's almost like... um, uh... The amount of magic you're already surrounded by, I mean, from what you're saying, you know, you've got kids who are basically kind of already living an A-game lifestyle, so you need to bring your A-game to impress them anyway. Whereas, you know, these you are performing to, uh, with the charity events, to youngsters who don't have uh, a lot of magic already in their lives, who, you know, don't have those advantages, and who uh, who you are just going to light up almost so much more. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when did you get, uh, the idea to, um, experiment with opening a print store? Uh, well, I had a lot of people asking me, saying, oh, Tarkin Gherkin, where can I get a print of this? And I was like, uh, I, to me, I didn't feel, and I still don't really feel that I'm on the level to have a print store, so... I don't actually have it open quite often. I do give away prints for giveaways because obviously these people are following me and would like these things. Um, Mm. I bring prints to conventions because I just don't want to come empty-handed. But, um, (laughs) yeah, no, it's just, it's still so crazy for me. Like, Evie, she's so, so popular Mm. that um, 
she has the amount of people that are constantly asking her for prints and um I've been an admin on her page uh once or twice before and just seeing the messages she gets is insane. <laughs> so the de- the demand is definitely behind most of the reasons for print stores. Yeah, yeah. But um so yeah, it's I didn't really have an idea of it. I was just like, oh, well, you people want this. <laughs> so uh, just pretty much meeting the, ma- the demand from the sound. Yeah. Mm. Supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, do you find that um, as well as, you know, limiting the amount of um, uh, work that you need to put into something that from the sounds of it, you're not, you know, you're not quite 100% behind yourself, but... Um, uh, uh, Limiting the amount of time it's open, does that help you actually uh, manage the um, uh, the print side of the business a bit better? Well, yeah, I find so. And having something, having new content is always good, I find. So being able to have that turnover of, hey, I've had this for a while, so I'm going to put new prints up and just, yeah, I find it's better and easier. Yeah. Um how um how does that pressure to actually make sure that you've got something new i guess every time that you open the print store um uh how does that uh i'm not sure exactly what i'm trying to ask here but um, <laughs> i guess uh how does that um for want of a better word complicate uh uh the cosplay for you as a hobby, that extra pressure that, you know, you've... I mean, from the sounds of it, you're doing it for the sheer fun anyway, so I am, you're yeah. always going to be looking for new challenges, and uh, as soon as you fall in love with an anime or uh, a movie or something else, you're probably going to be hankering to cosplay anyway. <laughs> but um, is there that sense of pressure um to be coming up with something new on a regular basis does it have any sort of uh negative effects on uh how you appreciate your own you know your own hobby your own passion well i have that pressure to always better myself and have more costumes there to show the people that follow me i don't like calling them fans because it to me it just feels very up myself but um the people who follow my work on my page i just I always want to give them bigger and better things, but I'm still improving my sewing and crafting skills. Um, I will be for a long time. But um, the pressure is definitely there, but I don't have that so much with prints. Um, a print store is not often what I have up, but um, I do have that pressure for like upcoming photo shoots and all this thing to... um to have nice prints to bring to conventions with me because I do know that people do travel to come see me. And um, to have that there for these people is just, that is a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> a, a feeling of pressure, yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, on the subject of conventions, um, I was, of course, lucky to meet you at Tropicon last year. Was you that the were. first? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the first time that you'd ever actually been uh, an invited guest at a convention? Second time, actually. <laughs> Tell me about time number one, then. Time number one was very, very different to um, Tropicon. That was, sorry, <laughs> blanked out for a second. Uh, it, my first one was actually Level Up. Um, they're in Coffs Harbour, run by a darling team. I love them so much. Ah. I'm actually going back... Don't know the date, but I'm going back <laughs> this year sometime. Um, last year was their first convention at such as Tropicon. Mm. And, um, yes, it's a nice little convention in Coffs Harbour in Sydney. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's very nice there. Hmm. So it was, uh, it was very different to Tropicon. <laughs> I can only imagine. I, uh, I presume for a start they actually had air conditioning. They didn't. <laughs> no, they didn't. My God. <laughs> but um, it was it was a smaller. Oh, actually, I don't think the venue was smaller. They were around the same size, but it was mm. well ventilated, ah. and they had Quidditch. Ah, fantastic! Instantly better. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Mm. <laughs> ah, well, look, I'm um, I'm not going to complain. It was uh, uh, for what it was. It was fun. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, uh, out of interest. Uh, with a name like Level Up from the sounds of it, it was kind of, uh, did it have a, a video game sort of focus, or was it just a general 
pop it was just event. a very nerdy event. <laughs> um, so, uh, on the general uh, paid-to-play spectrum at the moment, uh, where would cosplay sort of fit? I mean, from the sounds of it, um, it's definitely not a full-time job at the moment, but uh, no. <laughs> is it at least, uh, are you sort of earning enough to cover expenses, or is it just sort of at least giving you a bit of extra cash that you can put toward it that you wouldn't otherwise have? Yeah, it's a bit of a, like, it's like pocket money. I'm getting play, uh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm getting to... <laughs> Certainly not getting paid enough for speech lessons. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Um, oh, I've gone mind blank. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were basically saying that uh, at the moment, it's just, it's giving you some extra pocket money. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, it's a little hobby I've got, and it's just... It's amazing that people like it enough of what I'm doing to, um, yeah, want to put money towards that. Mm. I find it insane. <laughs> and say, Biatch, we must have you at our next con. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah would you like to come up to uh, Townsville? Oh, okay. We'll pay for your flights. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you're looking around going, for God's sake, someone pinch me. I must be dreaming. This is not happening. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, the convention I'm actually referring to right now, Magneticon, mm. they're um, in July. <laughs> Had to think about that again. But um, the girls organizing it are fantastic people. They're um, just two wonderful, lovely sisters. Their whole family is beautiful, and ah. I am just so excited for this upcoming convention. <laughs> fantastic. So... Uh... Generally, uh, do you have any kind of uh, uh, long-term, big-time goals at the moment? Uh, do you have any ambitions as to where, if possible, you would like to take cosplay uh, or just anything else that's going on in your life? Uh, yeah, do you have anything, uh, any anywhere you'd like to get to? <laughs> See, everyone stumbles over their own words, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, really, I... Surprisingly enough, I don't want to get to Jessica Negri and Yaya Han's level of cosplay. Just, I find after a certain time it loses the aspect of a hobby and mm. becomes more of a something that you feel you have to do and you have to always have bigger and better costumes because you've got these followers who are just demanding it and ugh, mm. it's crazy. <laughs> the <laughs> amount of pressure these people have to perform is just intense and I do not want that. Yeah. Mm. I just this is a fun little hobby I have and I it's just something I love and the fact that people are behind me and appreciating the things that I'm doing that I love is it's just amazing. Mm. So, yeah, I'm pretty content where I am right now. Fantastic. Are there um I mean I hate asking the question that Grown-ups, for some stupid reason, always like asking their kids about, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? But um, uh, rather than perhaps focusing on just one thing, are there perhaps a few things that you would um, like to perhaps do as some sort of uh, combined income thing that as a total would, you know, pay all of your bills and <laughs> allow you to at least, you know, generally do what you love as opposed to having to buckle down to somebody else's nine to five? Well, I'd actually love to take a, a friggin' do. <laughs> I'd love to learn how to speak. <laughs> um, I'd love to take an, oh, what is it called? <laughs> a gun to the head. Uh. No, oh my gosh. What, uh, what sort of thing are we talking about? Um, <laughs> makeup. Cinemographic makeup. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Um, I guess that pretty much yeah. sums it up. Uh, uh, a movie makeup course. A special effects right. makeup kind special of thing. Special effects. There we go. Mm. <laughs> I would love to do a special effects makeup course. Um, with most things in life, I'm self-taught and I love makeup. It's just something I really love. And then to be taught it professionally would be a dream of mine. Yeah. But another thing I'd also love to do is I would love to be an actress. Mm. So I guess 
these are also other things that help contribute to my cosplay mm. that um my slight knowledge of movie makeup and then acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have a long-term cosplay goal of mine where uh, the movie The Labyrinth. Yes. Uh, something I grew up at, uh, grew up watching. Um, but the fairies in it actually terrified me. And for those of you who aren't actually sure what the fairies are, they're the scary little crew that take off their heads and try to take off Sarah's head and just crazy Jim Henson things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would absolutely love to cosplay as a fiery. Uh, I've got my designs all up. I just need the the skill acquired behind it to make this soul. <laughs> so um, you can look forward to that in the very far future. No worries. Now, um, <laughs> there was one thing I perhaps wanted to touch on a little bit uh, that you did mention earlier on. Uh, you sort of talked a little bit about uh, how the cosplay community has changed a little <laughs> oh, bit since, the, since you first got into it. Um, uh I feel like I am kind of inviting you to get into a bit of trouble here. And oh, yeah, I don't that's all right. <laughs> I don't want you to basically, you know, uh, hang shit on people or anything like that. But um... I'm going to knock all of you out. All right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> but, generally, but, yeah, what is your impression of uh, of the current scene? And I guess what um, what would you have to say to anyone who is basically, who's sort of discovered their love of cosplay for themselves and uh, is kind of reaching well... out to, you know, make new friends, etc.? Well, that Evie Dante's bitch needs to put some clothes on, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> no, I find... Back then, six years ago, cosplay was more of a... Construction thing, where... It was all crafty. And it might have been as bitchy as it is now. I just wasn't friends with the people to see it. But mm. with online growing so much popularity it's the age of the internet mm. basically um just people will say whatever they feel they want to say and a lot of the time if you're a new cosplayer and you put up a photo that you think is really good mm. and like you haven't got these skills of sewing you've like altered an outfit it's a closet cos closet costume and then someone will just find this photo and they'll nine times out of ten they will tear you apart yeah um Cosplay, I find these days, are more of a... It's more for popularity. It's not so much as for yourself anymore. Mm. And it's just... Yeah, it's one big old popularity contest. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. But I find cosplay is a lot more intimidating nowadays than I do from back then. Mm. Mm. I mean... um... Uh, I think we both mentioned, of course, Yaya Han and Jessica Negri. I mean, it's almost like uh, multiplying that, uh, holy crap, who are these people? And <laughs> I feel so inferior before them, factor by a power of 10. And now they've, effect you know, they've, yeah. with, the, with the growth of the internet, they now have global audiences. So it's like, uh, it's it would be easy, very easy to for someone to basically see a, a novice cosplayer's work and toss off a casual dismissive, oh, you're no Yaya Han or whatever. And yeah, have that person sort of go, it's all comparative. Yeah, and have that person go, Yaya Han, who's Yaya Han? And type of Y-A-Y-A space H-A-N. And oh yeah. my God, why did I even bother trying? You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's really, if you're going to, if you want to get somewhere with your costumes and you're going to make a page in this, it's really about the persona you put out there. So for me... I always compare it back to um, my idol of everything, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Mm. Now, she was not who the media saw her as. She was a completely different person. And mm. I'm like that with Twerk and Gherkin, the girl behind that. Nothing like that. Uh, people see me as this energetic, crazy ball of freaking everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... If you want to become big with your costumes, you need to be nice. You can't just be like, oh, whatever, fuck off. Yeah. Um, meeting Yaya Han at Comic-Con, she is just the loveliest person ever. You can ask her about her costume. You can ask her how she's constructed things, and she'll be like, oh, yeah, easy. I did this, this, and this. And 
the fact that she's actually putting out patterns and making fabrics now, mm. she's more she's an old time cosplayer in the most respectful way where she does rely on her crafts. Yeah. And I'm not saying Jessica Negri does not. I'm not comparing the two. Jessica Negri's outfits are amazing and her construction is fantastic. Mm. But the fact that Yaya is putting out these patterns and a way to more old school cosplay where willing to help everyone is just fantastic. <laughs> now, um, as we're winding up, uh, I'm going to put you on, on the spot once again here. Um, and I should have thought to actually mention this to you uh, at the outset, so my apologies. Uh, if there were three things that you wish that perhaps someone had told you at the start um, that would have made your journey into getting paid to cosplay and its, you know, attendant aspects a little bit easier that you think might help someone who is now where you were back then, what would those three things be? Uh, probably more having quality over quantity. <laughs> you could have a million costumes and, like, produce them all in a night, and it would not look good as over one costume that you've spent months on like just don't rush things take it easy give yourself the time to make these outfits don't leave things to the last minute if you can avoid it um that's a big thing i wish people would have told me mm. second thing is um it's expensive <laughs> cosplay is so very expensive it doesn't have to be but nine times out of ten it is yeah and um, the third thing, really, those are just the main two. Okay, no worries. Um, oh, and look, uh, I don't know how we got through an entire chat with you, <laughs> Twerking Gherkin, without touching on, I think, uh, the okay. character whom you are most... Or, and, oh, jeez. The character for whom you are, I think, best known. Um, Definitely. Tell us about Harley Quinn and how much you absolutely love her <laughs> as a character. I mean, I mean, for a start, if if people... Oh, no, I lost this, you, Rob. Oh, can you hear me? Have you got me okay, still? Okay, I got you. Ah, fantastic. Okay. So, um, if someone listening to this... And it, actually, speaking of losing me, you'll have to excuse me. I've got a dog nudging at the office door uh, and... I better go open it before he breaks it down. Hang on again. Oh, horror. Pat him for me. Oh, both of you. All oh, right, monsters. It's settled. Settled you. Thank you. Ah. Oh. I don't know if you can hear them in the background, but they've decided to come up and be with Daddy for a little bit. <laughs> so, okay, so... Um, for someone who's listening to this podcast and they've just heard these this name, Harley Quinn, and is going... Who? Tell us who this character is. Harley Quinn is a precious baby that needs to be protected at all costs and is my wife. I love her. <laughs> no, um, Harley Quinn is a, a villain from the DC Comics franchise. And um, she was originally the Joker's sidekick. He was her everything. She, He was her puddin'. <laughs> and... Um, the new 52 comics, actually, she's not with the Joker. She's actually with Ivy, which is amazing. And <laughs> she's just a big ball of psychotic fun. Mm. <laughs> so I just I just love her. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, for some odd reason, especially um, the way uh, some of the comics, um, pardon me, uh, I've seen her portrayed in some of the covers of her own series and what have you, I kind of think of her as... Um, <laughs> Abby from NCIS turned up to 11. Oh, yes. As if Abby from, you know, from NCIS yes. wasn't, yeah. Uh, with, uh, with a psychotic yeah. streak. Um, there's just, oh, yeah. you know, uh, the way she looks on some of those covers with her really big eyes and this just sort of frenetic expression on her face, I, I look and I think, yeah, I can, I can see Paulie Perrette playing this girl, you know? Um, uh, she is a huge animal lover as well. Mm. No, I, uh, I remember actually coming up with, um, uh, growing up with uh, Batman the Animated Series after um, yes. uh, after the first few Batman movies with Michael Keaton came out and just sort of going, holy crap, wow, this is <laughs> this stuff is great. And all of a sudden, we'd, of course, known about the Joker for ages. And then there was this, you know, this character, this 
this gangster's mall, if you know what I mean, complete with the with the New York accent and what have you, um, <laughs> you know, uh, going goo goo eyes at him all the time and. Uh, uh, and I and I remember the you know when they actually sort of introduced this uh, girl buddy thing with um, uh, Ivy and uh, them ending an episode when I don't think they were in Arkham but they were in a prison or something and uh, <laughs> Ivy had sort of you know kind of proven how capable tried to prove how capable um, Harley was without the Joker and and then Harley got sort of this wistful expression on her face and said something about how, you know, is it, I wonder if he's missing me right now and gets a yeah. trowel full, gets a trowel full of dirt in her face for it. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, I still um, love my pudding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, you've, I mean, you have done, you've done a few Harley costumes. You've done that classic, um, full body Harlequin court jester, uh, outfit and a few others. I mean, do you, uh, and I, you know, I, I always feel semi-guilty about asking cosplayers this because it's kind of like asking them to play favourites amongst your kids. But do you have uh, a particular Harley costume or costumes that you, you know, enjoy the most? That uh, Of course I have a favourite. Mm. <laughs> I would be the type of mum being like, oh, this is Billy. Billy's a dick. This is Jimmy. Jimmy is a sweet prince. <laughs> um, if you can't tell, my clear favourite is... Always Animated Adventures Harley. <laughs> I'm actually working on the new 52 Harley right now, and um, I like it, but she will never, ever stand a chance against Animated Harley. <laughs> and um, are you looking forward to Suicide Squad when that comes I out? I am. I am. When the first few sneak peeks of Harley was released, I had a heap of people messaging me on my page being like, oh, Torkin Gherkin, how do you feel about Margot Robbie? And I feel like they were actually expecting a bad reaction from me. Mm. And I was like, I love her. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> but the thing people need to remember is these characters will always be portrayed differently. Like, mm. the Joker, he has never been the same in two movies. No. Um, Batman, he's always different in some way or another. The suit will never be the same. Mm. But um, Harley Quinn, this is her first big movie. Mm. And Suicide Squad is actually, obviously, based on the Suicide Squad comic books. Yeah. Um, one huge issue people had with her was the pink and blue hair and stuff, and it was blue instead of black. Yeah. <laughs> it is actually blue in the Suicide Squad books. <laughs> so I think that's hilarious. But, um, no, I think Margot Robbie's um, portrayal of Harley is adorable. The one thing I would have changed would have been the Brooklyn accent. Mm. She she should have had a thicker accent, but, no, I think she's adorable. Mm. No, I um. Funnily enough, I've not been really following the the DC crop of movies since um uh-uh. uh, <laughs> since I mean I haven't even seen Man of Steel. Um, uh, I'm just I'm not bothered not a, with it. No, <laughs> don't bother. Oh uh, well, as crazy as it sounds, I've only ever seen the uh, older Batman movies. The newer ones, not seen as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> not seen any Superman movies. Mm. I um, um, yeah. no, uh, I quite like The Dark Knight, especially with. Speaking of the Joker, Heath Ledger, that was a a brilliant Actually, and very yeah. unique twist on the, on the character of the Joker, and I, you know, sort of sat there going, "Holy wow!" As I think everybody else did. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> the I just... opposite stance, Rob. <laughs> I did not like his portrayal of the Joker. I did not like how they made the Joker in that. I just no. <laughs> I think I, I do get what uh, I hope I do get what you mean, and um, <laughs> uh, you know, it almost seems like the Joker has to be this. Uh, you know, the character from the comic books, and I guess to a certain extent, um, yeah. the Batman from the 60s does really come to mind as that absolutely out there, uh, always laughing, always energetic, always smiling, just, you know... He's agent. always happy. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, so that's mm. what I thought was weird. He wasn't that... Oh, from what I've seen, because I haven't actually seen the movie, but... Yeah. From the trailers and such, he didn't seem that happy. He just seemed like a menacing little shit. Yeah. Um, let's face it, that is that is that is kind of pretty much how it worked. He was, he was more of a straight-up anarchist. He had, yeah. he had more of an agenda rather than just... Um, Unorganized chaos. Yeah. I will say right at the end, the last scenes that he was in, I think when 
you know, the relationship between he and Batman kind of, in a way, finally crystallized. Um, we really kind of finally saw that Joker that perhaps um, uh, maybe everyone was kind of hoping he'd be from, from the beginning. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been seeing all these trailers and uh, the Zack Snyder kind of take on uh, DC, it, it just didn't quite interest me. I just thought, no, nah, this doesn't this doesn't look like my thing. I don't think I'll give it a go. A lot of um, people are actually doing a whole Deadpool thing with it where they're like, oh, my God, it's going to be so good. I don't know. I guess if you put your standards way up there, it's just going to disappoint you. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. just calm down with your – calm down with the hype. I know it's hard, <laughs> but just mm. let it come as it is. Yeah. Deadpool, I, uh, I won't mind catching up with when it comes out on uh, video at the moment. I'm kind of in that situation where the disposable income is limited enough where it's sort of like, unless I know I'm really keen on it from the outset, I'll be, yeah, I, I can wait. I mean, it looks, Deadpool, <laughs> from, what I, from what I've heard and from what I see, it looks like really gonzo kind of fun, but I'm sort of like, oh yeah, my God, I, can, I don't know. Oh, my God, the beautiful. Uh, uh, I might be missing out I, on... Mm. You were missing out so much. <laughs> um, Ryan Reynolds himself, the actor who plays Deadpool, actually took over as producer to make sure that they did not fuck up this movie. <laughs> uh, he took home a suit of it. Um, it's just... It, it's Deadpool. It's not anything more, anything less. It's pure, yeah. un, unrated... Just, it's Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they didn't try and make him beautiful. They didn't try and censor him. It's, oh, it's perfect. Mm, mm. I mean, I've got to admit, I'm not a huge Deadpool fan from out front, but being a being able <laughs> to hang out at a comic book store, I've sort of I've sort of gathered enough about him by osmosis to basically look at the trailers and go, okay. I mean, that looks pretty much what I understand the concept oh, yeah. of the character to be. Um, well, mm. The only thing I'm not looking forward to with the release of the Deadpool movie is Deadpool cosplayers. Yeah, I think a lot I of people... I love mm. all and every cosplayer, but um, a lot of Deadpool cosplayers tend to be dicks. Yes, and... Yeah. Yeah, they can, they can use the, oh, but I'm just playing to characters, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll elaborate on this. I love you all. <laughs> but if you're going to come up to me and be a complete retard... And then blame it that you are acting in character. I probably will slap you. Mm. Um, just or, or don't be a dick uh, and blame it on your character. <laughs> I was about to say, or worse if you happen to be in uh, Harley Quinn outfit and have that hammer with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's lap safe, <laughs> so um, I can do that. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, so uh, we've mentioned already... Uh, a few of the conventions that you are going to be at, but uh, uh, tell me... Uh, Tell me your convention schedule as far oh, as it as far as it's nailed down, if you've got it handy. And also where can people come and find you? Now after hearing this episode and they want to find out more about you and uh, uh okay. perhaps buy a printer and uh, if they can. Well, I can't give you dates because I don't know them. <laughs> um I'll post it on my page though, but um my schedule not quite in order is Gold Coast Supernova, which is coming up very soon, within a month. Um, I won't be guesting there. Most of these I am not guesting at. Then there is Level Up, which is in Coffs Harbour. And then there is Magneticon, which is in Townsville. I know that's on July the 2nd. Shoot me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, then there's Sydney Supernova and Brisbane Supernova. <laughs> and somewhere between that is... Oz Comic Con in Brisbane. <laughs> um, I'm a very Brisbane-based gal. That's where yeah. I live. Mm. But um, the places where you can get prints from me will be Magneticon and Level Up. No worries. Okay, uh, I tell you what. Let me see if I can give you a hand for those folks who are sitting out there with uh, <laughs> pen and pencil poised. Uh, I actually wound up for another reason putting together a con schedule. So let's see. Uh, Supernova Gold Coast. You said you're going to be at. Yes. Uh, okay, so that's April 8th to 10th for you fine folks who are looking. And <laughs> um, uh, what was the next one? Uh, level Up. Which one? Here we go. Uh, Haven <laughs> MNC. I actually had to look this one up on the web. 
Uh, cosplay competition. Have they actually got some dates? No, their last year's event. That's last ha! year's date. So that's okay. I'll post it for you, darlings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what's the next big one that you're going to be at? Uh, Magneticon, which July the second. Yep, July the second and third. So that's going to oh, be a and full third. Whoops. <laughs> weekend thing. Uh, none in between. None of the June events elsewhere, or oh, there's a Sydnova on June this. From 19th, I think. Yep, 17th to 19th. Oh, 17th to 19th. I just know that because it's before my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Then there's a couple... uh, There are a couple of Oz Comic Cons in September. Uh, Sydney... Oh, that's right. Oz Comic Con Brisbane, which is the 17th to the 18th. And uh, (sighs) then are you going to be uh, at Brisnova? I will. That is my home con. <laughs> All right. So, track twerk and gherkin down there in a nice way, please. No stalking. <laughs> please and no don't dickery. stalk me. <laughs> uh, on November the 11th to 13th, that's three. Are you going to be there for the three full days? You, you probably will, won't you? Oh, I'm always there. Oh. That's like every supernova, I will be there the full three days. I can actually give you my lineup for Gold Coast Nova as it's coming up. Oh, okay. So uh, what are you going to be bringing to uh, Supernova Gold Coast on April the 8th to 10th? So on the Friday, I will be doing a South Park group with Evie Dantes and a little G. And I think we have a few other people, but... um. We, I will be doing the Coon and Friends, <laughs> but a female version. I will be the Coon himself, right. Cartman. <laughs> um, the second day on Saturday, I will be bringing out the new 52 Harley. And then on the third day, I will be being Muffet from Undertale, hopefully. Right. For those of you who don't know who Muffet is, um, she is a beautiful little spider. Uh, she loves baking, and she has... Uh, six arms, so I have to make that. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds like it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Puppeteering. <laughs> um, didn't, uh, I'm just trying to think. Was it, uh, Evie who actually, didn't she do something recently that had, uh, a spider outfit, like a League of Legends character or something? Uh, or was it somebody else? Could have been. Probably somebody else. Yeah. Um,. All right then, so that's pretty much uh, your convention lineup. And did we talk about your online presences? I mean, we've mentioned that you're on Facebook, so. Uh... Oh yeah, Facebook is Twerkin Gherkin. Uh, Instagram is Twerkin Gherquin. So T W E R K, um, G H E R K Q U I N N for Harley Quinn. <laughs> and then Snapchat is just Twerkin Gherkin. Mm. Basically, anything online, if you search up Twerk and Gherkin, and there's a social media for it, I will probably be there. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Instagram. Mm. All right, then. Well, uh, Twerk and Gherkin, thank you very much for coming on the Paid to Play podcast. No it has been fan- <laughs> It has been fantastic <laughs> chatting with you about your love of cosplay and uh, catching up with you. So all the best for the 2016 convention calendar, and may many good things be coming to you. Thank you, Rob. And thank you very much. Yes, I am addressing you, the person who has their earbuds in or their speakers on and is listening to this episode of the Pay to Play podcast right now. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. You've helped keep this podcast going since the first episode in 2012. I really do hope that you enjoyed the chat, that you learned something new about the art and science of getting paid to play, and that you maybe got a little bit more courage to pursue your own passion. I also hope you'll be here for all 20 fortnightly episodes of the podcast's fourth season in 2016 and all the future seasons to come. Now, I'd like to ask you to do some things for me, specifically three things that I'd like you to do. The first of them, could you say hello, please? I would love to hear from you. Doing this podcast here in my home office does get a little bit lonely sometimes, and it is nice to hear from the folks who are listening to it and who are enjoying it and hopefully getting something out of it. Tell me about yourself. What's your play? How have you tried to get paid for it? Are you stuck for ideas? And is there someone who you look up to, someone who is a role model for the kind of play you wish you could get paid to do, someone whom I could chat with on your behalf? Now, 
As I go, I'm going to list a whole bunch of social media and other online outlets that pay-to-play is present at, but here are the ones that it's probably best to come and say hi on. The paid-to-play website, which you can find at www.paidtoplay.com.au, and that's two as in T-O, not the number two. Each episode goes up on that website, and as it's a blog site as well, each episode will have its own comments feed, so please leave comments there. On Facebook, you can find a group called Fans of the Paid to Play Podcast. I set it up and maintain it, and it's a great place to come and hang out and get to know other people who love the podcast as much as you do, uh, if you already have a Facebook ID. And also, every fortnight... When a season of the podcast is active, of course, I do a launch party for each episode. On the set date and time that I post it on the web, I am online making sure that I am putting all the necessary notifications up on all the social media outlets that Paid to Play is present on. And while I am doing that, I am running a Google Hangout. If I can, I will get the guest for the podcast that is going live on as well. There will be links to the launch party in all the necessary spots. Please come along. I'll be keeping an eye on the launch party's page on Google+, and we'll be answering any questions that you folks ask. The second thing I would like you to do for me is to spread the word about this podcast. As I say at the beginning of every episode, it's about a kind of dangerous idea. If we want to act on it, it means we've got to take some risks, and the biggest of those risks is showing a little more of our true selves than we otherwise might dare. It helps to know that you're not out there alone. So please, let folks know that this podcast is out there. Not just the episodes in particular that you enjoy, but the whole podcast in general. Spread the word on social media. Like it, favourite it, share it. You'll find the pay-to-play podcast pages on Facebook and Google+. On Facebook, you can like the page, and on Google+, you can add it to your circles. Please like or plus one and share the individual episodes as well. You can also find the Paid to Play podcast channel on YouTube. Like and share the episodes, and again, it's a great place to leave a comment. Let me know what you think, any ideas that you have during the show, and even please tell me where either my guest or myself might be wrong. As of 2016, the Paid to Play podcast has its own Twitter feed. You can find it at Paid Play Podcast, which is all one word. Please follow the feed and favourite and retweet your favourite episodes. And if you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcast aggregator that you might use. I'm pretty sure that Google is working on one at the moment, although as of this recording, its use is limited uh, to certain countries, and I think it's still kind of in beta. But still, please, if you are subscribed on one of these aggregators, uh, or for starters, please subscribe if you're not. But also, can you leave a rating for this podcast and maybe a few words in review? Uh, The more feedback that this podcast gets on your preferred aggregator, the better odds it has of getting between people's ears. And now the last thing that I would like you to do would be to back the podcast. The Paid to Play podcast is crowdfunded on the Patreon crowdfunding platform. It's a little bit different than a lot of other crowdfunding platforms out there, which tend to fund discrete projects and generate all in one hit lots of funding. Patreon is different in that it is more subscription based. You can fund a particular project per unit of work they put up, like song or video or even podcast episode. Or you can back per month. At the moment, Paid to Play is set up on a per-episode funding basis because there are times when I will not be making episodes to give the show a little bit of a break and so that I can recharge my batteries. And if you subscribe on a monthly basis, it means you will be paying even on months when I'm not putting anything up. And 
I don't like that idea, I've got to admit. So uh, please, you can find it at www.patreon.com, which is Papa Alpha Tango Romeo Echo Oscar November dot com forward slash paid to play and again that's two to not the number two you can find the goals and milestones for the show and if you back above a certain amount uh, i will also invite you into the launch parties that i hold when each episode goes live not just as a person who can leave comments on the launch party's Google Hangout page, but also as a member of the chat, which means that uh, you can chat with me directly, and if I can get that episode's guest on as well, then you could well chat with them too. And if you don't want to subscribe to the Paid to Play podcast, if you go to www.paidtoplay.com.au, you will find a link through which you can actually donate with once-only donations via PayPal. Sort of a tip jar that I've got set up. So, please, if you could do those three things for me, that would be absolutely fantastic. And in the meantime, until the next episode of the Pay to Play podcast, this is Rob Farker asking you to be good, be kind, and be a little dangerous. I license the interview and monologue content of the Paid to Play podcast under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. That roughly means you can sample, remix and redistribute it as long as you tell people that the bits of it you use came from Rob Farker and don't charge anyone for your work. For the full legal text go to creativecommons.org. The theme music is written, performed by, copyright and used with the kind permission of Miracle of Sound. All rights reserved. For more great music inspired by geek culture, check out miracleofsound.net. This podcast is hosted by Business Web Integrations. Get in touch with them at businesswebintegrations.com.au to discuss your web hosting and business needs.